before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Did they boss the investigation of a serial killer in their home in Amityville, Long They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts on surveillance cameras. The victims there were vulnerable women, many indigenous. The world is a lot. It really is. That's why we started our podcast, Six Sad World. I am Jasmine, and this is my co-host, Mari. And we host a bi-weekly podcast on all things macabre. We cover anything from serial killers to cults to alien conspiracies to ghost stories and so much more. We are childhood friends and we're both passionate about social justice. We'll discuss how these things intersect with racism, sexism, ableism, and queermisia. We both have unique perspectives coming from marginalized identities. Me as a black cis woman and Mari as a disabled trans person. We offer the kinds of conversations we felt were missing in true crime and horror. And we're hoping you'll join the conversation too. So check out Six Sad World. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find your podcasts. Hello and welcome. It's perhaps it's you. My name is Liz, and a certain deadbeat named Samantha couldn't be here today. Her laziness has been dragging down this podcast for too long. I can finally say it. So we had to we had to go to the benches, drag in a volunteer. Yeah. Hi, hi, Mac. Hi, hi. Thank you for being here today when a certain someone who won't be named couldn't be bothered. You, you didn't want to go with the original plan that I would just pretend to be Samantha and <laughs> see if anyone noticed. Yeah. And then once people were like, that's clearly not Samantha, be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know why you would accuse me of lying. Like that's that. so rude. Yeah. How about you never listen to the podcast again? And then we really do go back to five listeners. Well, yeah. maybe that's all it's meant to be. Hello, five listeners. I haven't greeted you individually in a while or in groups of five. If it is good, it's good to talk to you. We're here with the pod dogs. You might hear Lenny and Curtis jingle jangling around. Max, is there anything you would like to say to the listeners before we get started? I do have a quick update, actually. No, well, I was thinking about um, this podcast and... Uh, what a deadbeat Samantha is. How she couldn't be bothered to be here. No, obviously she does uh, most of the work. On this. Um, but uh, <laughs> What, I, you mean driving here, preparing what she's going to say, doing the editing? Yeah, yeah. Uploading and, it's, it's the actual episode. The, the audio quality um, I have a problem with, and that's... Uh, Wow. It's not really a, a podcast because you don't have one person that is about 10 times as loud as the other person. Um, and that it sounds like they might be in a bathroom somewhere or calling from a, like, you don't have that, that disparity yeah, that, that yeah. really marks a podcast. That's how you're like, oh, a podcast. I'm listening to a podcast because I can almost hear one person and I can barely stand to hear the other. And that's, that's what if I talked into like an old tin can? That, that might that might help, yeah. Just I mean, started to like, give it that mm, say quoi yeah, of yeah. Off- authenticity. Yeah. Oh, hey guys, it's it's, it's the perhaps it's you podcast. <laughs> Welcome. How's it going, Liz? It's- oh, it's going great. It's going great. What are we watching today? Yeah, where you like don't even know where you are, and then you just talk about LA traffic for a good fifteen oh, minutes. Oh yeah, God, I want to hear about LA traffic. <laughs> okay, to be fair, we almost <laughs> always talk about Minnesota weather, but oh, that's different. <laughs> no, I just want to like what's going on in La Cienega, right? Yeah, yeah. If, a place Did you you've take the one hundred and one here? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> I like that you know that you've literally never been to California. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it's, it's an important, it's, it's part of life yeah, in America. It's part of life. It's part of podcast life. Other people's commuting experiences. Yeah. Um, if you had a podcast, what do you think it would be about? Probably a review of other podcasts. It would just oh, yeah, be, okay. It would be the podcast about podcasting. I can kind of see Actually, you. There are, those already exist. They're like, they do. Yeah. I don't know who listens to I don't know. I am sorry I just said that, but it's also kind of true, right? Well, but it's not even like... I, I, the podcast of podcasts of podcasts. It gets like so yeah. in our circle in a way. I mean, there's podcasts about making a podcast, which seems... That's kind of helpful, I guess. Maybe. Um, I can't say I ever listened to one. We watched two and a half YouTube videos before starting this say, podcast, and that seemed to be fine. might be the format you want. Since seemed to work. Just describing what to do with We're the We're already the number one podcast on iTunes, according to me, so... That's good. That's neat. <laughs> I could see you doing a news radio, by which I mean the TV show, mm. rewatch podcast. Actually, I would really like you to do that. Yeah. Be like, ah, oh, this is the one where they did the baseball thing. and uh... I think you would make it a, <laughs> a little better than that. Yep. There's Dave Foley. He's Turned out that guy was a creep. Well, but yeah. man, oh man, was he cute. Seemed to He's so funny. A, God. Yeah. So you're not, that's not a, a new project for you. I would really like to encourage our friends, Josette and Justin, to start a 90210 podcast they've been talking about, because I, cause I want to listen to it, so they need to make it. That's my demand. 90210-2019. That would, that would be my suggestion for a name. Why? Because it's 2019. Oh, okay. But what if they keep doing it? Well, <laughs> that's your problem. Better, better stop. <laughs> so, who cares? Okay. Well, this definitely changes the vibe of this podcast. <laughs> One of the hosts not being here, and it's a little different. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I thought Samantha was very mellow, but you have the even more <laughs> mellow vibe. <laughs> Bringing the energy way down. <laughs> But this will be a treat for everyone when we had you as a guest who said you they had a voice crush on you. Oh, wow. So really, yeah. we're ready. giving the people what they want, which is clearly not something I've ever prided myself on on this podcast. But for once, I heard you, and I'm delivering. Yeah, it's definitely a choice and not that I was the only person <laughs> that lives in, in, this in the house. house. It's definitely a, Samantha a couldn't be plan. here today. She apologizes. So yeah, we recruited Mac, and no, people liked liked it when you were on. Yeah, so yeah. it's not an act of total desperation. It is a it's a, a listening to my audience and responding in kind. Hmm. A thing I never do because I'm constantly screaming that people aren't allowed to listen anymore. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> just convenient that this was the. This was the turn of events that, uh, that happened here. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I do have an update, which you may enjoy because this involves someone you know. This is friend of the pod, Angela, a.k.a. Perhaps, Hello, Angela. The, perhaps the coolest person I've ever met. She got back. When I was talking about my trip to New Orleans, I could not, for the life of me, in that moment, remember the name of this very haunted, historically cursed mansion. That is the La Lurie Mansion. Named for Madame LaLaurie, oh. who was the horrible murderer. Sure. Okay. Who killed a bunch of her slaves in extremely heinous ways and right. tortured people and was disgusting. Just a little quick reminder. This is this house no one wants. And supposedly if you touch it or you walk, if you walk under the sort of balcony part on the sidewalk, 
you're supposedly cursed. Right. Because everybody fucking hates this house. Yeah. So, friend of the pod, Angela, wrote in to say that her first time she went to New Orleans, her and a friend were exploring the French Quarter, and they walked by what she didn't know at the time was the Lollerie Mansion, and blacked out. Damn. She said that she felt a coldness move up her spine, and then a tugging on the back of her head, and that according to her friend, she just crumbled. Mm, that <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> that she was completely fine before and immediately after. Wow. So she got up. She was like, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm here to have a good time. Let's just ignore Let's just let's, ignore let's that. Let's pretend that didn't happen. Well, let's that night, move on. they go on a ghost tour. They find out. The tour guide says, hey, watch out for the people you're with. People are known to black out in front of this house. But she did not know that when that happened. And she didn't even know this place. She right. didn't know anything about it. Yeah. She's a building to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very creepy. That is that is wild. When I met Angela, she was literally working for a coroner's office and in her spare time ghost hunting. And then I tr- kind of tried to force her to, to be my friend, you know, right. because... Yeah, I was there. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was for our audience. Oh, sorry. Mac, our loyal listeners. Yeah, no, I know. You're not actually talking to me Oh, my God. Anyway, Angela's too cool for me, but I do really appreciate this story. If anybody else has stories about this mansion or other spooky New Orleans things, definitely send them in. That's perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. I want your spooky stories. Give no, them to that's, me. That's very interesting. and, and, and then Terrifying, right? Yeah. I did not walk under the, the, the gallery that, of that house. So if you go there at Mardi Gras, is it like jammed wall to wall with people except, except for that little area? I mean, I'm assuming so many people come into town for Mardi Gras that are not native to the area that they wouldn't know. Yeah. Right? So maybe there's sort of like a, a, a patch and then people are like, oh, great, look, there's, oh, look, a, spot. there's a spot. We'll go set up yeah, our and chairs right there. They're yeah. fucking cursed. Angela, yeah. I really hope you're not cursed. I hope you were there just briefly enough that yeah. well, you, I mean, you blacked she, out. She and had then... the blacking out. Yeah, that seems like a, a like one of one of the effects. One of the effects of the curse? Well, not not of the curse, but like you, the, you get cursed or you, or you black out or, you know, it, it does things. It yeah. almost makes me wonder if it has some sort of, I don't know, there, some sort of scientific explanation for for, yeah, could there be big, like big chunk of like magnetic material? Yeah, so I was gonna, is there like something? a yeah. yeah magnetic vibration or something just very unsettling like right by there that you that could explain that? But yeah, it's fucking weird. That is weird. Okay, moving on. Well, but Angela, it's good to hear from you, and please say hello to David. For yeah. Me. <laughs> Uh, Mac, please don't use this podcast oh, for your own personal purposes like I do all the time. Thank you. We're here today to talk about, I'm not sure if you've even mentioned this yet, but the show's called Perhaps It's You, and this is an Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. What? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's why you're here. Huh. I know. Weird, right? It's all ready to talk about uh, the outer limits. I thought we were... I don't really, know... We I don't that? really know anything about the outer limits. <laughs> It's the one that opens with, like, your TV is is not malfunctioning. You, you know, is it just a ripoff of The Twilight Zone? It's pretty similar, yeah. Hmm. Now I kind of want to watch it. Hmm? Okay, so this is an Outer Limits rewatch <laughs> podcast, but we're taking a break from format today, and we're going to be talking about Unsolved Mysteries. And we are on Season 3, Episode 16, I do believe. And before we get started, it's sort of a solid episode. I liked this one. Um, Mac's going to go first, because I felt like this was a very Mac... Mystery. We start off with a wanted bank robbery case from 1987. Ronald Reagan masks are involved. 
Yeah, um, this is the the ballad of Patrick Michael Mitchell. Um, Max, new hero. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and reading this uh, this roundup here, they seem to have left out a major part because Patrick Mitchell. Uh, was Canadian and in Canada he was the leader of the infamous stopwatch gang and what does that they, mean I don't know they they gave us no context about that on the show stopwatch gang and um and they didn't they just said at one point that he's Canadian he might have gone back to Canada but uh spoiler alert but um yeah no apparently he was he was uh living it up being okay being in charge of this... the gang in Canada and then moved down to the U.S. to to rob banks there this dude is like 80s handsome, fucking looks like Kenny Loggins. A very Kenny Loggins vibe, yes. Uh, half of the pictures they show of him are shirtless, which I don't recall ever seeing before. He's got like, um, who is that guy on TV that sells uh, cleaning stuff that has a beard? The guy who died? I don't know, maybe. The um, Billy Blanks? Yes! Yeah. He reminds me of him. Yeah. Did I tell you? How well, did he die? I, 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 I think he had a heart attack or something. Oh, um, he didn't, he was, like, eat the, the <laughs> He ate OxyClean. Oh, that's what it is, yeah. OxyClean. Um, yeah, no, he, he took a... It was a bet, and he, he ate a big... Another uh, victim of the Tide Pod yeah, Challenge. Yeah, well, it was, it was, it was, it was, he was ahead of his time in that way. Um, no, but I, I used to work at O'Hare Airport, and... Um, and he, uh, I, I was a bartender, and I was on my break, and I came back, and uh, one of the ar- other bartenders came up and said, you're never going to guess who is in here. And I said, who who was it? And I was like, the guy from the OxyClean commercial. <laughs> you were like hoping it was someone actually I cool. I was just sort of curious. You know, I was like, You were oh, like, neat. Kenny yeah. Loggins? And yeah. they were like, no, no it was Billy Banks. And, and, um, and I was like, oh. That's kind of neat. What, what was he like? And he was like, he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, so I'm, maybe I, should, I I didn't sign any uh, any agreements or anything. Yeah, but I he, mean, um, it's out in the open now. He was very upset that he was not allowed to bring his like glass. Uh, his he had ordered a beer and he wanted to take it to the gate, which you are allowed to do. You just have to pour it into a plastic cup, but. He this. thought he got to walk around O'Hare Airport with glassware, I, I and know, he was mad this. about that. I mean, he is—he is the spokesman for OxyClean, or was. Uh, or that's not how airports work. Yeah, well, any I, of them. I, what? Mac also has a great story about working at the airport. The once Wolfgang Puck came into his own restaurant. You know how every airport I feel like has a Wolfgang Puck restaurant in it. Maybe not anymore, but at the time. Yeah, Wolfgang Puck uh, came to the Wolfgang Puck Cafe <laughs> and sat down at the bar, and uh, one of the other uh, bartenders served him. And I looked at the guy. I, you know, he's he's kind of a just a German guy. You know, he's shorter and and uh, loves goat cheese on pizza. Yeah, man, oh man, can't, can't stop. But he um, he sat down. And I was like, is that really? That's weird. It, why would he come to his own? <laughs> Where else is he gonna go, man? I mean, oh, you yeah, thought was... he'd be in like a first class lounge, like a normal rich well, person? But no. They don't have food in those at, at most of them. In oh, O'Hare. really? Yeah. So it would if he wanted something to eat, he was gonna need to go to, <laughs> to a restaurant. restaurant. And you know, I mean, I guess he had a hand in coming up with the restaurant. But he he was very unfamiliar with the menu. He, he that's what I the... find hilarious is he tried to order food that they like don't have, and it's like, dude, I really there's a ton of he maybe had never even been there before there's a lot of things with his name on it but he tried to like order soup they don't even have and it's like yeah he wanted the pumpkin soup and we had had butternut squash soup i mean we knew what he meant but 
it was just sort of like oh okay clearly you had literally <laughs> nothing to do with this uh this whole concept i feel like just... gordon ramsay would yell about that even though i'm sure he would do the same thing but the fun thing was that the the uh the woman who did serve him she didn't know who he was at all and like just she was good you know she was fine she oh but she wasn't like sucking up to him no not at all she was just like oh thanks for coming you know and and then everybody's kind of like peering over the the uh, so funny service area like looking out at wolfgang puck sitting at the at the table and um or at the bar and then he gets up and leaves and pays and everything and um do you think he was kind of mad he had to pay at his own restaurant I, i mean i imagine he understands that some faceless corporation owns that right like it has nothing to do with him um i i I would have thought the manager would have gone by maybe he did i don't really remember but um but then finally after he left we told the bartender like you know that's like that's (laughs) wolfgang like you work in yeah that's his name on the menu and and she's she's horribly embarrassed but you know it probably was better that she didn't know because i think she would have been very nervous she just clearly didn't buy that soup that used to have his face on it that's the only reason yeah that's how i recognize him on it yeah it was from the label the label label guy yeah the campbell soup kid came in and whoa uh, yeah no we are talking about a bank robbery yeah Done by a Canadian with a very full beard. Not, like, full bushy, like, full, like, dense. Yeah, no, I I would, I mean, if you don't know what Kenny Loggins looks like, I would, I would look it up. Because he looks, he's got a very... (laughs) You don't know what Kenny Loggins looks like. Well, that's just worth knowing in general. Exactly, it's just... This guy has a soft rock vibe, for sure, right? Like, he could be hosting one of those Time Life things, like, remember the the soft hits of the 70s? by the fireplace, where he's like, finally, they're all in one place, on one CD. by Christopher Cross, and, uh, yeah. The FBI agent did inform us that he considered himself a bit of a ladies' man. That FBI agent was, like, a moron. That guy seemed like... (laughs) He's like, well, he he was taking this medicine to seem younger. And so, like, what a yokel. I like. Yeah. I kind of thought, I knew the FBI was a bunch of like, you know, Boy Scout kind of guys and stuff. But this guy really made me wonder, like. You know how you say people are like sharp as a tack? Yeah. He's like he's, the he's, opposite right, of that. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he was, Dumb he seemed opposed. like a, a dim fellow. But um, he also was considered himself a gourmet cook. Well, then that brings us back to. I'm going to talk a little circle. more about Wolfgang Puck for a while if you don't know. Why. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he. Eighties, uh, eighties uh, gourmet is Wolfgang Puck, so it all. It's like it that all makes silver sense. palette cookbook, right? Isn't that a big? Yes, yeah, that, that, uh, yes. Who? Let me know if you have that hanging around. I think we do. I think we've got one here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it might not have made it with us in the last move. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> So so yeah, um, Patrick Mitchell here is uh, he he's apparently a master of disguise. He keeps changing his identity. He he's they said that he had twenty five aliases, and he um, so many aliases. He and a couple guys. He's in prison, so he. I mean, let's be honest. He's not that good because um, he did. Get yeah, if he was really and, that good, the FBI would have no idea who he was. And sent to prison, right? And so uh, so he he breaks out of prison um, and. Robert Stack tells us that he changes identities like most men change shirts. Right. I'm which Though, is... I guess I guess men really only do have like twenty five shirts, so fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and that does sort of imply once a day unless he's 
like going through some stuff Which, or something. And I bet Robert Stack changed shirts like a couple times a day. Uh, definitely while he was shooting these little intros because he, you know, had to walk down the stairs wearing one shirt and then. He wanted us to show like a whole gentleman of leisure catalog, some a variety right. of looks. Um, so anyway, they're in uh, prison and they. It didn't seem like the most. They call it a daring escape. I mean, they climb in the video in the reenactment. I should say they they like climb through some ceiling tiles and then just they like steal some street clothes and just walk out. And so yeah, it seems super easy. I was like, I would have escaped from that prison too. Yeah. Except that his accomplice in the reenactment jumps up on this vending machine to get through the ceiling tile like so gracefully. He I was, could never he do was that. Was a nimble guy. Yeah. And um, I I don't know enough about. You know this type of security prison. I don't. It, I don't remember if it was medium yeah, or maximum. It seemed, but, yeah, on the lower end. Um, you know whether they have a lot of vending machines or not. I, I suppose they probably do and and whatnot. But um, yeah, so so they break out and they. Uh, one of the guys tells uh, his girlfriend that they're on a weekend furlough. She doesn't know they're escaping, yeah. so she's there to like pick them up. They just walk out and close, get in her car. Yeah. Now, maybe she did know, but this at least gives her, like, plausible deniability. So she doesn't get in trouble, which yeah. I think is very, no, it's a very nice. smart part yeah. of the plan. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, and it's a reason that I think that, um, that I'm sort of on Patrick Michael Mitchell's side. We know. Um, yeah. That he, not only uh, does he look like Kenny Loggins and, and <laughs> um, have a, a it's just applause. have a soft rock charm about him, uh, he, he, you know, seemed to be pleasant towards everyone i mean i guess he he yells at some people when he uh when he robs the bank but um so anyway that they surprise they doing they break out one of the guys um gets arrested uh in atlanta but the other two um his his friend johnny salazar stewart they go and they plan this robbery of a bank in gainesville florida and Johnny goes in and opens a bank account, and then he's talking to the staff. He's, like, making friends. Again, he's, smart. Yeah, he goes in, and like, sort of like, I'm supposed to be here. I just opened an account and opened an account. It and gives him excuse to do this, like, surveillance and find out what time, you know, the shift arrives or money is brought into the safe or whatever. Right. Like, instead of scoping it out from the outside and not really having an idea of what's going on inside... I mean, I guess, do, do they know who he really is? I'm not, I wasn't sure on that part. But even the FBI was like, this was a good idea. Yeah, no, the, 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 the dullard FBI agent uh, acknowledged that it was, uh, it was a good plan, that it made sense that he would be wandering around the bank. Um, we called his mustache the patchy cop, but the thing about this episode is it's more mustaches than mysteries. It is chock full of mustaches. Each stash is better than the stash before it. Yeah. So this one is like so subpar. Throw it in the garbage. This one's not even worth thinking about. There was also a guard mustache that we were calling the cell block, but again, who cares? No, no, no. So by the end, uh, so anyway, yeah, they, they plan. So what they do is they figure out when the armored car is going to come take in all the weekend deposits. So there's there's a lot of money, cash at the bank at this time. And um, it's like an hour before it opens. They burst in. They're wearing um, Ronald Reagan masks. And that was a big thing about uh, part of uh, Patrick Michael Mitchell's M.O. was that he would always wear different masks. Apparently he was wearing, you know, 
Reagan in this one, and then Nixon earlier, and then Bozo, and the, Bozo clown. the Clown was mentioned. I um, kind of wondered if the hair on that Mac one might once have went to a, the Bozo show, just in case yeah. anyone was wondering. I was like three. Yeah, it was great time. Um, <laughs> Very typical of people exactly our age from the Chicagoland area. Yeah, okay. I mean, they filmed it. <laughs> <laughs> pretty nearby. Um, um, okay, is this in a movie that people wear Reagan masks? Because to me, that seems like a very iconic bank robber thing to rob a bank while wearing a Reagan mask. But I don't know where that image in my mind comes from. I mean, yeah, the presidential mask thing is is in some movies. I can't think of one now. I the thing I was thinking of was there's this movie with Paul Hogan um, called Almost an Angel, where he like, that's definitely not what I'm thinking of as uh, different celebrities to rob banks. No, that's and, um, not what I'm thinking of. He's like I, really not. Nelson in the first one, oh, and then yeah. he's Rod Rod Stewart in the second sure. one. And oh, he's... famous people, huh? Well, it's, it's not the newest movie, but um, <laughs> but he. Uh, but I always thought that was like a really good idea, like to sort of disguise yourself as someone famous, and then because then... like, it would just describe everybody right. would be like, I, I mean, I don't think it was, but it it was Rod Stewart, you know, just like, looked like Rod Stewart. Yeah, picture would, Rod Stewart. Yeah, they wouldn't really be able to describe a person the way you go. Oh, his, you know, his nose, his nose. I would rob I like, no, a like bank. Do you think I could rob a bank dressed like Bjork in that swan dress? Uh, yeah, that might. Or the, uh, yeah, that might really. That's that might a very a, iconic look right, to me. Yeah. <laughs> that I would like the excuse to recreate. Yeah. <laughs> could do that. You could do. Maybe like, like what the fuck was that? Outfits from the past. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's not current enough i might have to reach into the past right, couple yeah. decades <laughs> but anyway uh yeah so they they rob the place and they just bust in about an hour before it's supposed to open and they, they just break the front windows yeah they, they smash the glass and then they take the money it's it's pretty cut and dry they tried to they kind of tried to like stretch the thing yeah. out they interviewed some of the tellers who were like oh i thought he was gonna shoot me and he, he didn't. didn't and um you know, I mean, it was a bank robbery. It's not not much more the than that. The timing of the bank robbery was that it was after the cash had been delivered, but before the bank opened to customers. So yeah. it was like the maximum amount of money they could have with the fewest number of bystanders or right. whatever you want to call yeah. it. So they, you know, it was, it was well thought through. It was a good plan. So then they... Uh, the mystery then is where did Patrick Michael Mitchell go? Because other um, than into our hearts, they make off with five hundred grand, and uh, which they just split between a few people. So yeah, I, I wasn't clear on, on if it was just the two of them or if they were still cutting in um, the person who had helped them escape or not. But yeah. um, wh- whatever it was, uh, Stewart was found and arrested. The friend Johnny it's a, Salazar. It's a damn Stewart. shame. And um, he so, had a Steve Harvey mustache, by the way. He did. He did have a, a very Steve Harvey-ish mustache. Um, and then uh, in 1994, uh, this is a, year, a few years after the episode airs. So this isn't one of those where like the episode airs and then six minutes later the cops are at somebody's door. No. Um, Johnny, I'm sorry, uh, Patrick was looking at the Unsolved Mysteries going like, Sorry, guys. You're right. I am a master of disguise, and I'm. I assume people saw him, recognized him, and they were like, "Oh, that's him." And I love him. Yeah, and maybe he was just like a they, Robin Hood. And type. then they just yeah. went back to they, boning. Right, yeah. You know, like women were like, "Oh, yes, I know where he is, and he's the best I ever had." Right. Yeah. So they they no one could get a, a line <laughs> on him, but he um, he eventually did get caught uh, robbing a bank uh, in 1994. So that's. Three years after this episode, and and seven years after the actual uh, Gainesville mm. robbery, um, the FBI is 
telling us we should care? He's like, he will go on to other banks. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I mean, I think okay. I think we're due for a, a modern, like, John Dillinger era for yeah. where bank robbers become, like, sort of folk heroes among everything. So I, I'm, I'm I was saying like, But that, he literally didn't hurt anyone, so I'm not that worried yeah, about they, it. You know, you think they would have brought that up. Like, if he had done that at some point, they, they probably should have yeah, mentioned it. Yeah, true. Because, Maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds like... He liked to rob banks, but otherwise was a gentleman. Yeah, I, I, and I think I think the world deserves more gentleman bandits out there. We we do need more it people is, yeah. sort of like teaming up and going to like really rich people's parties and sort of like one person is distracting them with Shark like Cat witty repartee and yeah. then the other one's up in there getting like breaking the safe and stuff. I, I think I think the gentleman bandit needs to come back and oh, this guy tried. He did. He, he was, had a few he good years. He was a great cook. What, what we can. They did find his his car. This was a fun little note that um, he, he had a uh, very beautiful Cadillac. They found a, like a year later. A, a nice, a nice big Cadillac that they found. Um, and they they decided they needed to mention that there were some cookbooks in the back seat. I um, think it's because of the time that the fact that this guy liked to cook is like noteworthy. Yeah, probably. It's like he didn't just like make a baked potato every now and then. He actually knew how to cook food. Yeah. That's like a a personality trait. A bank robber who could go Could feed himself and people were like, what? The Jack's frozen pizza every (laughs) night. He's like, he was a man and he owned more than just one smallish frying pan and a pot for pasta. If the FBI guy was like... I think he was like a little bit jealous. He was I like, so, I joined yeah. the FBI and my life is ho-hum. And this and guy's this guy, out being a ladies' man shirtless, making this great cooking, food, cooking driving around in his Cadillac. seared sea scallops for, for beautiful women. <laughs> yeah. He knows and, what saffron is and I don't. I mean, the, the <laughs> but you have to say that, like, I mean, he's, he's like tearing up Gainesville and then he's caught in, in South Haven, Mississippi. And these might be lovely towns, but... He's not like in Paris, you know, plotting sure. to, to, to Steal rob Mona them. Lisa. Yeah, he's, he's he's like, oh, we're gonna get the winged victory out in a, in but a, if this, a helicopter. If this FBI guy is an indication of like who was gonna be after him in Gainesville. Like maybe that was really on actually. Purpose. That's a good point. He he might have. He was like, mm, this like, area is maybe not retaining the finest in law enforcement. Right, I should yeah. probably softer targets. That that's a good point. He's yeah, not, he's, he's not, not gonna go to New York or something. He's not, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he could he could try to take over Nakatomi Plaza, but <laughs> that's not a might, real place. There might be there might be an off-duty New that York cop there. That is not a real and place. Be careful about that. And Helsinki syndrome is not a real thing. <laughs> yeah, um, but anyway, yeah, he was captured in 1994. Uh, he was sentenced to 60 years of, in prison. That's so um, much. That's a lot. That that's seems way. Like a lot. And that was him pleading. Yeah, that's ridiculous. he pled it down. So I mean, that's ridiculous. People want their money back, I guess. And, he didn't um, even hurt anybody. He could have killed three people and had less time than that. Yeah, but sadly, uh, in prison, he passed away from lung cancer. So don't smoke, kids. Yeah, you know, t- put down that tough. vape. That's what perhaps it's you. Perhaps here to say. It's you put the, down that vape. Does not support don't, the Jewel uh, no, company, huh? No. Okay. Well, we don't want you to die of lung cancer in prison. Yeah. Fair enough. We care about you. Our fine listeners. Okay, I have a very sad one. Yeah, this one sucks. This is a laugh lob, and it literally made me cry. <laughs> Matt can attest to it. I was making a fool of myself. It starts in... Where the hell does it start? This is a Depression-era lost love about a guy who we first hear is Frank. 
and he's living in Dillonvale, Ohio, during the Great Depression with his, I'm not sure if they're his adopted parents or his foster parents, but people who are not his biological parents, who are very awful to him and make him do chores like day and night and don't even feed him. And he has to sleep in a barn. And so the reenactment is this little kid, I think he's supposed to be nine, but the kid looks younger. And he's, like, raking something up in the barn. And the mom comes in and was like, how have you not fed the chickens? You're the laziest boy in the world. You don't get supper. Like, literally while he's toiling in the mud. And then the guy very reasonably says, I was a bitter, angry, and upset young man. I was like, oh, really? You were being, like, worked to death and also not fed? You perhaps were not in the best of spirits. Yeah, anyway, so he eventually found out that these were not his birth parents, that he was told that his birth parents had abandoned him, and then his adoptive parents also were like, we also don't want you, please leave. I mean, it's murky details, it was... It was, it was uh, these were hard times, era, and these yeah. were clearly terrible people. But yeah, they, it's like they wanted a kid, like, oh, you know what, a, a little I think kid they just wanted free labor. Would, would do some chores around here. And then um, they were like, oh, wait, a nine-year-old can only do, like, so much, yeah. even if he toils all night and day. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's fucking nine. Right. They were like, oh, build another barn, Frank. He's yeah, like, what? He's, he's like, this. T- he's like trying to lift a two-by-four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, this kid's this useless. Kid's Sucks, Get yeah. out of here, Frank. Yeah. And so they just show him like going to soup lines and stuff by himself while wearing a little newsies cap, and it's the saddest fucking thing you ever saw. And he's just like wandering around, and he's like, well, sometimes I had to take bread from stores, but only as much as I needed. I'm not a thief. And yeah, I was like, uh, very, Frank, it's okay. Sad about, uh, I forgive you for all of that things. bread you stole literally to survive. So, somehow, he is in high school later. I We missed a few years. He's in high school. He's not doing great at school, which I'm also not sure he's being fed regularly, so color me shocked that his teacher's, like, yelling him about the chapter on pronouns, and he does not particularly care. Yeah. Shocking. Oh, no. Whatever happened to Frank? So, a social worker tells him that if he really, like, cracks down and studies and graduates from high school, his birth parents will come to the graduation. And the social worker knows his... Yes, it turns out... knows his real name. His real name is Victor... Scheinman. Scheinman. So the first time Frank ever uses that name is at his graduation when he gets his diploma. So at, when he gets his diploma, because he expects his birth parents to be in the audience and be like, yay, Victor Scheinman. Except they're not there. That was a fucking cruel lie just to get him to study. And they didn't follow up on what the deal was with this weird social worker who's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just fuck with this. <laughs> I really think somehow in their own twisted brain, they thought that was like the way to like get him to live his life right. But it doesn't even seem like he was hurting anyone or doing anything really that wrong. He just wasn't studying hard. So to get him back on the straight and narrow, they told him, like, the cruelest possible lie. Yeah. So he goes through graduation, and no, no one is there for him, and he's still all alone. Yeah. And at this point, I wish I was dead. It was was pretty bad. So it goes on. He has a life. He gets married. He has children. He, He... is not actively looking for his family. But eventually, he's told of this organization in Ohio called Reunite, which is a support group for people who are missing loved ones. And 
maybe something like that still exists today, but it's just so much easier to find people than it used to be that it's kind of hard to imagine that, I think. This is literally just like people get together and they're like, oh, I'm so-and-so and yeah, I don't know what happened to my sister. So at that group, he meets this amateur genealogist named Rose Murphy, who is so moved by his story that she decides to like take on his case. And she's very dedicated to going through all of these old county records to try to find what she can. And what she figures out is that while he thinks his name is Shyman, S-H-I-M-A-N, it's actually Simon. And that his family was Hungarian, and someone like wrote that on a record incorrectly. So the reason he... Someone said the word Simon with a Hungarian accent, and it sounded like Shiner. Right. Yeah. So then somebody wrote down, like, oh, your name's... Well, ask him how to spell it. God. Anyway, so all this time, he hasn't been able to find any records of his family because he doesn't have the correct name. Even the name he was given from the social worker was actually wrong. So now that he has the name Simon, he's able to find the obituary for his, for his mother. And what happened was, the day of his birth, earlier that day, his father is working on the railroad and gets his foot caught in the switch on the track, and it shatters his ankle. So he goes to the hospital. Later that day, his mom gives birth to him. Well, unfortunately, you know, she dies as a result of complications from labor so that means that his dad was left with him as a baby and also all these other children to care for and the state welfare came and took victor away saying like oh you're not gonna be able to care for this baby while you have a broken ankle like we'll place him with another family and what's nice about this story is that the like only tiniest silver lining is that in the official record it said that his father really did not want to give him away this was just desperation right so that's why his family didn't keep him and he ended up being with this terrible family that no child should have been placed with ever so he does find out that his name his mother's name was lena and his dad's name was dan and that he had had uh several older siblings and um rose kind of makes up this story that maybe his dad went back to foster care later and tried to get him back but the records would have been under the wrong name and he wouldn't have been able to find him I don't actually know that that's true, but it's a nice story, and it's very possible because the record keeping was so shoddy for this. Yeah, I mean, case uh, genealogists' whole deal is like going to county courthouses and looking through paper records and things. It's not, yeah, she's not like looking up this stuff in online databases, obviously. So, right, it's it's, it's all matters of slips of paper and things like that. I mean. Yeah. Okay, so the that's how that, the segment ends. Um, this was technically solved, but it's still sad. So the records indicate that Victor's brother George had passed away in 1967, and his sister Emma had passed away in 1987. According to Victor's grandson, he was able to locate a distant cousin in Arizona and speak to them over the phone. He also learned he had several other relatives still living in Romania. Oh, this they're was, Romanian. They're not... Yeah. Well, that doesn't help either. <laughs> As it turns out, he had relatives living in Romania. So, um, and so that was with the help of that genealogist, Rose. And so he, it, they say it's 97% certainty that that was his family. Unfortunately, Victor died in 95, and he had not met any of those family members at the age of 73. But his grandson, 
felt that he had met his goal because he found, quote, the people he belonged to. And his grandson at some point wanted to go to Romania and visit those relatives. I don't know if that ever happened. Part of why this segment is so sad is because it ends with him saying, like, it's so awful that he just wanted to talk to someone he belonged to. Yeah. I hate I mean, it. It's tough. It's, that's not good. Um, but I hope he did you know, he find some closure. But he like, did he, go he, on to have his own yeah, family. He, he and has these grandchildren who care about him. And yeah, his own children. And, and he had a wife and stuff like that. I, I so. think he was surrounded by people who cared about him. But I, I understand that, you know, you, you you want that thing. He seemed like he made a good life out of nothing. Yeah. So. And, and it's interesting how many of those um, stories kind of have that aspect to it where... Like the the train one, right? Where they're yeah. like dumping kids <laughs> off in the train. Why did you bring up the orphan train? <laughs> but it's like, but these people end up having like these families and thing. I, I mean, they're you know, able to move on from these yeah, very horrible circumstances. It's very difficult and things, but it's uh, you know there is like hope in the present for them if if the past isn't maybe uh, all that kind. Yeah. Mac's grandmother passed away at 102, and every so often she would just have these random wild stories where you would realize, like, oh, yeah, you were an adult during the yeah. Great Depression. And her her um, birth is very similar to uh, Victor's uh, in a lot of ways. Her mother died uh, giving birth, and, and she could easily have been Victor if uh, she didn't have, like, relatives in the area who took her in as, yeah. a, as a baby. Um, so it's uh yeah it it shows like i mean it's a thing that we don't think of as happening as much now and maybe it doesn't because people live longer and and have smaller uh, families yeah and it's it's just not uh people have moved around it's it's not quite um plus women die during childbirth well that yeah uh, uh, maternal mortality is is way down and um and i think that the state doesn't just sort of grab children just and show take up and be like away. you know what would be um, best for you yeah if we just took this kid um but there are tons of stories like that there's the whole the um you know the church the catholic church was sort of taking children and yeah. you know especially in ireland moving them to the united states to put with a family so it's yeah it's a very institutional uh and, and, problem and more to be recently with Reserva- reserva- oh, reservations yeah, yeah, like yeah. into the current day right that's um, been a huge problem with foster care essentially just stealing people's children yeah uh so it's a sad bitter note yeah in this episode I, I, I cried prepare yourself if you watch it. it okay now we're going on to murder yeah this is even more fun um murder <laughs> this is the wanted also this is a wanted. Um, this is about a guy who's apparently actually named Joe Smith. Um, so suspicious. <laughs> uh, I don't but, trust one thing about this motherfucker from the get go with that name, Joe Smith. Yeah. It's so made up. Very, uh, like. Joe. Yeah. Joe uh, Smith. Yeah. Definitely the kind of name that has an uh in the middle of it where you're. you're What's your name, good sir? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. um, Joe. But, uh,. 
1990, um, this... This, this is the weird part. Like, it is weird. honestly, this whole story is solved and is pretty straightforward. It's not all that exciting. At the time, he was wanted, and and so that's Caught, why it thanks was. Thanks to Unsolved Mysteries, if we're oh, way skipping ahead. Yeah, if we're if we're jumping ahead, but I I, I <laughs> just uh, yeah. I mean, this is a pretty cut and dry case. Um, it was a mystery at the time because he he was missing, but. Um, but the weird part about it, okay, this businessman. So it it takes place in uh, the city of big of, dreams of and high big rollers. Dreams and high rollers. Is that what you're gonna say? Las Vegas, Nevada. That's oh, right. Oh yeah, I've heard of it. Viva Las Vegas, Nevada. And um, oh yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I saw that in a movie or something. I think yeah. Had all of us maybe. That doesn't sound right. But um, <laughs> oh wait, no, I meant Con Air. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right, that's okay, right, yeah. yeah. I saw it in Connor. You're thinking of Ni- Nicolas Cage. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I often am. Mm-hmm. Uh, good old Cameron Poe reference there for everybody. Um, <laughs> we so. try to slip one in every <laughs> yeah, episode, uh, so listen up. So anyway, in uh, in 1990, uh, Frank Allen, businessman. I'm not going to go any further into that. Semi-retired. Businessman, semi-retired businessman. Frank Allen lives in Las Vegas. He rents his house to this family. 50-year-old Joe Smith who is, they refer to as a former con man. And I don't know if that means his family knows that he used to do some, yeah, some tricks on the side or if that we found that out later after after this incident. But former con man, which that must have looked great on his rental application when it was like <laughs> I'm sure he just oh, lied. This and that. It was harder to look stuff up like that to verify <laughs> that's, things. That's true. So anyway, he was uh, like, "I started Fifth Third Bank," and the guy was like, "Whoa, oh, impressive!" Nice. Rent my <laughs> well done, sir. Um, but, I don't know why I said that so much random. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that just seems like that would be a good reference, right? Right, right? in, right in. If you got, if you're an account holder with Fifth Third Bank, no, please don't. I don't care. But right I just, in, right in. No. <laughs> With your account number and routing oh, number, yeah, and uh, just let us know. We'll verify if you could, that. Um, and Venmo me those things along you, with a donation. <laughs> send you a. Uh, I just send you thought a it would sound respectable. Um. Anyway, what do uh, I know? So, so Joe and his wife Judith and her two daughters from a previous marriage. Um, Christy is twelve and Wendy is twenty, and uh, so they're living in this house in Las Vegas. And in the reenactment, it seems like maybe they moved in two nights earlier because they're like in very On temporary. Air mattresses yeah, and there's like one, no furniture in there. Yeah, it seems very. So I, I don't know. If this was a very short-term rental or reenactment, or or, yeah, I mean, you think (laughs) think just a bed would be something you could get your hands on, but (laughs) on some mysteries, had to cut some corners. Yeah, the the Hollywood, (laughs) the just a bed. Are you out of your mind? We can't afford that. The the studio just did not have money for. It's an air um, mattress, or they sleep on the ground. Yeah, but anyway, uh, it, it seemed a little a little strange that they were in very temporary looking housing but that is neither here nor there because for some reason joe tells frank that he and his family are going out of town <laughs> and um he can come by i guess to, you said he was picking up a check it just seemed like he was there okay in a different article that i read about this case it said that he was stopping by to pick up a check i assume for the rent but unsolved mysteries made it said something about he still had a room there yeah, and would like stay was, there like they were his roommates but they had the whole house and he only had a room yeah because he wasn't there that often like a reverse rental it like, sort of seemed like he bought a house for retirement 
he wasn't fully retired yet. So he was still working, you know, wherever he lived or yeah. whatever and was occasionally coming to Las Vegas. So he didn't need the whole house at this time. He just needed a room to like sleep in when he was so there. He's, he's he's like He's like Airbnb-ing renting it out his own yeah. home. Yeah. 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 I mean, fair enough. Whatever. I mean, in the situation might have worked um, if it weren't for Joe, who... Uh, yeah, Joe really fucked it all up. Who was waiting for Frank <laughs> on the night he came over. Weirdly, like, crouching in a closet, which seemed unnecessary. Yeah, because Frank comes in expecting the house to be empty, and he uh, is walking around, he goes into his room, and then he is sort of like, oh, what's going on? I, I don't know. He was just sort of wandering around. He goes into the bedroom, and Joe leaps out with a hammer and, and conks him one good. Worst resident ever. Yeah, bad tenant. Bad you know? tenant. That's I mean, the word I'm looking for, tenant. Yeah, I, um, He's not good at I that. I think a lot of landlords are pretty awful in a lot of ways, but the, the ones who get hit with hammers, you know, I mean, it's it, the, the tenants who <laughs> attack you with a hammer like a is, is a He wasn't even, like, a real landlord. He was just, like, a not-quite-retired guy. Yeah, it, it, it just shows you you got to be a little bit more careful with some of these situations. But um, but so, so Joe leaps out, attacks him, and they have this kind of, like, screwball... Chase Mad around the house, chase, yeah. And, um, and Frank is very, I think, so calm and collected. He's very calm about it, as though this kind of happens a lot. Um, he is not phased by the fact that he rented to his house to a madman who wanted to kill him with a hammer. Yeah, and so, and so he's, and he, he seems pretty proud about his little trick that he plays because. He, he makes it clear that he was going... He, the house kind of... There's two paths through the house, one through the kitchen and one through the family room. And, like, he darts over to go through the kitchen. And he's like, I knew he was going to think I was going around. It was, it was like... Yeah. Like when you're... Like like a dog is chasing you around <laughs> a, a table or something. And you're yeah, like, I'm going to stop and turn yeah. back. Yeah. And so he's like... He stopped, turned back, and he, and he had locked these doors behind him. He was very specific on the details. And again, I feel like this didn't have maybe the, the amount of content that they... <laughs> They're like, we're including every word. So, so this guy's going to tell a story about several deadbolts being locked. So anyway, he like He's leaps a, through a plate glass window to, see, this is smart, to get though. out. He's like, I remember, remembered I had double bolted the door. I didn't have time. I guess he needed the key to undo one of them or something. Well, I, now this I can speak to. Oh, okay. uh, my family uh, installed a, a door with a big window in it. And and they were like, oh well, we don't want a person to be able to like punch through and sure, just turn, turn the lock. Yeah. So we're gonna put a key on both sides. And then just leave the key in the. Well, they did that during the day, and then they <laughs> they kind of move it over onto the counter at hey, night. Hey, don't break into Max family. I house. was convinced. Like this was years and years and years ago. I was convinced. I was like, we're gonna lose that key and never be able to open this door. <laughs> you just call a locksmith. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But I mean, like, we're going to lose these keys all the time. We've never lost it. It's been like 20 years. It's, it's just been fine. <laughs> I, I'm amazed. So, so kudos to the McCormick family for figuring out <laughs> not to lose that key. Um, to be keep it, keep it on the Bravo. table or on the, on the counter. And guys, don't break into my parents' house. They're, they don't need that. Um, yeah, that would be so rude. But anyway... Uh, so yeah, so so so, he, so you lock the inside so okay, that people that can punch so through. So he and open knows he doesn't have time to get the key and unlock the door, so he just breaks through the plate yeah. glass window, which I'm not sure I would have thought of. Is smart again. Uh, this guy is is he's a he's a cool justifiably proud of his like daring do in this situation. If I escape someone trying to murder me with a hammer, you bet I would not shut up about yeah. her. I would be very proud. 
Anyway, he's a pretty minor character in this whole story. Um, but he gets in his car, drives away. Goes like It's a gated community, so he tells the guy at the gate... There's um, a dude in my house trying to kill me. He's trying to kill me in my house. And so they Why do I house. live in a gated community? I rented my house out to a, a ex-con turned hammer murderer. Um, yeah, the con man thing never comes up, honestly. But um, anyway. Uh, Just to show you he's a sketchy in dude. In the meantime, the, the, the gated aspect of the community must be less uh, secure than one would hope. Because Joe Smith disappears. Cops get there. There's no one there. But. They find that Joe has bludgeoned to death his entire family and was clearly planning to do it to Frank, too. And um, Why? Why is never established. There's no insurance on any of them. Nope. Um, There's there's no... There's uh, not like a will or anything? There's no will. He doesn't seem to gain in any way from this. Nope. He's just a family annihilator. and I guess. I guess Frank was going to wander in on it. It seems like it's just a timing thing. But... So they had been dead for 18 hours oh, when true. the cops got there. So he's just like he waiting. was in the building just waiting, waiting for to Frank. kill Frank. Weird. You're right. That's weird. And they don't go into that, and it, it doesn't really seem like there's any reason for that. He just planned. But. Um, the good news is. Well, no. I, well, good news is something else. But um, in the meantime, uh, Joe calls a third sister. Oh the, yeah, I forgot two. about this part. There's a there's there's the two younger sisters are living with their mother and Joe, and then this third one is older and she lives off on her own. And and Joe calls this sister and so says that they've been murdered and that Joe caught Not by him. Joe saw the man do it and was gonna go get him and that he was gonna take care of it. And so he, he tells her that and this might be the con man aspect where he's just trying to so lie to like set some level of uh, believability that it wasn't him even though he had probably I mean presumably so attacked yeah. Frank with the same weapon that he used uh, to kill everybody else but um, this guy's not nearly as like methodical and collected as Frank so he's not going to get away with these murders no. No, and he doesn't have the uh, cooking skills or um, <laughs> facial uh, cleansing regimen of Patrick. <laughs> uh, he's got very little going for him. Let's so be let's be honest. So he um, he did have a family, but he murdered them. So anyway. Um, so anyway, he gets in his car, which is a very flashy. It's a gold Lincoln Continental, and it has like <laughs> Smitty Two as yep. his license plate. Smitty um, so Two. So he takes off with that. Uh, oh. Maybe. Smitty. I'm guessing he, 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 he didn't keep that uh, going. But anyway, um, the reason it was considered a mystery is because they there's no motive that anyone can find. Again, no financial gain comes and from And Joe this. was on the run. Uh, Joe's on the run. And they you know presumably had some success showing people's pictures and getting them on TV. And It was very clear it was him. Yeah, no, I mean, this is like a case where there's no... There's where they no just were like, hey, here's doubt. a photo of this guy. Help yeah. us find him. They might as well have just... I mean, if they didn't have 44 minutes of, of uh, airtime to fill out, they probably would have just been like, if you see this dude, just call. Just call. Like, it's He's not a worth, shithead. It's not worth going into, but if you know this he person... He killed his family. Yeah, if you could just like, give us a call. 
This segment had two mustaches, and I for sure thought one of them was going to be MVM. We got a cop with what we were calling Walter White season one. Yeah. It was, I... I uh, do not like this mustache. I think this is it's uh, pretty this bad. This is the coward's mustache. Is what this wow, is. Wow, um, harsh. Is, this is where you basically shave it off every day, but it's kind of there, and you can. I don't know what the point of this is, other <laughs> it than makes you so I'm angry. It's just like, what are you doing, man? What grow a mustache if you're going to grow a mustache? It's a but very big mustache. What are you talking about? It's it it covers a lot of ground, but it is extremely close cropped. And it's almost like heavy stubble more than a mustache. I don't know. But if the rest of his face wasn't shaven, you would just be like, oh, that guy's got oh. kind of the, the mm. you know, the five o'clock shadow thing going on. But because he, he carefully shaves every other aspect of his face, but leaves that as though it's been growing for four days, it's it a, just looks weird. And I don't is, like it's it. It's interesting to get the perspective of someone who has at times shaved their face. Yeah. You bring a, a different nuance to this than Samantha does. There are, re- there are reasons to grow a mustache. And the, the your upper They're, lip... Mm, well, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, there's... You, you are in You're recording, pornography in the 1980s. <laughs> You're recording Mambo number five. You, yeah, you are... <laughs> you, uh... Yeah, there's there's lots of reasons. Two, you want to two reasons. you want to let your neighbors know without having that awkward conversation. You want to let your neighbors know that you are on the uh, predators oh, list. All right, okay, okay. Yeah, that's okay. not that's, fair. That's, yeah. we, we don't advocate mustache discrimination. M- mustache you know, that's is not okay. I apologize. Uh, no, I mean the the um um there could be other no, appropriate the, the, reasons. The, the, the upper lip. Is, is a sensitive place to shave. I understand a person not wanting to do it. Okay. Um, but I don't understand a person wanting to pretty much do it. <laughs> and then just and not. Then not. Okay, there was also another one that came to sort of uneven points on that, each side. And what, it was also a very full cop mustache. But what was this interesting is, this is, about this guy was his name was Sergeant E. Edwards. That's Edward Edwards. Possibly yeah. Edward Edwards. <laughs> He's totally. We would Edward like Edwards. to think his name is Edward Edwards. He was also wearing a very purple sweater. Yeah, yeah. Intensely was, purple, but it was the eighties, so it was a colorful time. Fashion-wise. Yeah, he was. Um, he was from the Los Angeles Police Department, which is where shortly after the the episode aired, uh, someone reported that Joe Smith was living in Los Angeles. He had shaved his mustache. You could really tell too, like had, his the skin had, under it was so much paler. Yeah, he had, and had like, a tan on the rest of his. Um, <laughs> he had face. just like a mustache shaped tan. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah, it was it was kind of funny. not a good look. Um, and very like that hair came in thick, so it was very stubbly. Yeah, yeah. No, he he looked a little weird. And um, see, he probably should have had a mustache. Well, he, he clearly did. Well, I, I mean, he is a person who oh, should yeah, have yeah, a mustache. Yeah. His face wants a mustache. Yeah. But he's a dirtbag. Obviously, he can't win MVM. And he, he was trying to. Isn't he uh, dead? Is he dead? Yeah, yeah. He was. He was sentenced to death. Huh. I don't know that it doesn't actually say that he was executed. So he might be, be awaiting uh, awaiting execution. But so like, why did I kill my whole family? I could have just like laughed. But yes, uh, he he was caught in Los Angeles. Um, tried, minutes after the broadcast, minutes after the calls start coming in. He was he was. Uh, his brother lived in Los Angeles, and he was tracked down and and was arrested. And then um, he he for some reason told the detectives that he was in the process of creating a new identity. Which, dude, sh- shut up, keep that dude. to yourself. Yeah, like, don't you? Isn't your lawyer going like? Ah, ah, ah. But. Maybe they literally caught him with a laminating machine, like, making a new driver's license. And he was like, hey, 
guys. Well, even, like, the, even then, you just say like, "Oh no, I started a, a club, and these are the cards for." The it's club. like literally a fake driving <laughs> yeah. license. It's the driving club. It's the uh, license. I don't know. I mean, I'm just doing this to prove that I'm not gonna do it yeah, ever. Yeah. I wanted to see if I could so that I knew how yeah. to not do it. Yeah. I knew I wanted to stop other people. Yeah, but he, I'm um, really anti-counterfeiting. But I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it doesn't really seem like a lawyer was helping him out because he didn't even like plead down from the death penalty. <laughs> right? so, that is bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I'm anti-death penalty, but still, I'm like, mm, let's like, yeah, I don't. Oh, so um, this guy seems extremely guilty. No, he, he killed he, most of his family with a seems, hammer. Seems it's like pretty he did it. uh, disgusting, yeah, but um, it is strange that he couldn't plead that down to life in prison to save the cost of a trial. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he is We're actually. Sad. I'm fine if he's he, he can he can smoke in prison. That's fine with me. Well, he um pick up that vape. <laughs> again, I don't I don't know that that's what's happening, but uh, <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> Jewel jewel pods are now the the new currency yeah, for, for inmates, right? Yeah, they're like, oh, you got that prison, raspberry. Prison this expert, is, I'll, the name. I'll trade you a raspberry for the uh, for the the Pumpkin watermelon. Spice. Yeah. Um, well, now those are illegal, I believe. They can only do sort of like traditional tobacco flavors because they're basically marketing it, marketing them to children. What about immature um, people? What if you just want to enjoy a nice Mike's Hard Lemonade and a a strawberry? strawberry. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? I don't don't know what to tell you. What about people like me? You know, uh, it's just no justice. No justice. No peace. (laughs) Mike's so offended okay well Matt. no i i buy it i i, I think you're right i think um i think vapor's rights is at the forefront <laughs> that's what i'm today. gonna take up yeah you and you're Grover like, you're like oh uh <laughs> marijuana legalization and i'm like no no i want to be able to vape e-juice anywhere i go yeah. you're like oh yeah. like decriminalizing you, mar- you marijuana want- and letting people out of prison yeah, for yeah. that are serving time for nine non-violent offenses and i'm like no i want to be able to smoke inside yeah you want God. a vapors section of, um, of airplanes, of restaurants, restaurants yeah. Denny's. Remember the good old days uh, when you could smoke at Denny's. That was, that was they held on to the bit around. Yeah, yeah that was I think that was a lot of business for them. Just of teenagers ordering uh, plates of like bacon cheese oh, fries I'm so they sure could smoke the, inside. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure the servers were so thankful there weren't people just milking bottomless coffee so they could smoke <laughs> in the winter. Um. Okay. Anyway, yeah. now that uh, I've offended he, Mac, no, I, I, with my I'm with new you. bold political action group, I think vapors' rights, the perhaps probably, you vapors' rights, <laughs> probably are the most important issue of, of our, our day. day. Yeah, I would say give or take. I most would say that the Constitution <laughs> should probably be amended to enshrine vapors' rights permanently. Uh, did you know that George Washington grew tobacco? <laughs> Now that I'm not sure is going to help you in your vaping <laughs> rights uh, campaign. I think they say that in the terrible uh, '90s TV movie yeah. stoner voice. The uh, Stephen Baldwin from Biodome uh, yes. voice. Yeah. Very specific. It's, I went to a very specific acting school. <laughs> He was good in that. He was good. Biodome was a great movie. <laughs> Biodome School of Acting. 
Can you imagine? Do you, um... Oh, my God! <laughs> are you are you a Biodome, or are you an In the Army Now Pauly Shore fan? I'm not sure. I think I... it goes without saying that you are a Pauly Shore fan, so... <laughs> I don't think I ever Which... saw In the Army Now. No? Okay. But I think I saw part of Biodome on TV. I want to say... I'm not positive where... about this, but I am fairly oh. certain that... People who have been in the army have told me that in the army now is one of the most realistic really? army movies. Like just that that it's not all war and crazy. Like oh, it's just mostly just, fucking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is the love interest in Son in Law? Is that Drew Barrymore? Who's, I, I don't, who's the female lead? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Who gets an ankle tattoo and then the family is like all scandalized? I would say I that's... get Son in Law and Benny and June mixed up, and I know that's. <laughs> It's gonna upset what? a lot of people, <laughs> but I. But I'm just saying that Polly Shore and Johnny Depp have the same presence for me. Um, You're the first person to ever say that. Who did Who did the weasel thing? That was Johnny Depp, right? It was him yeah. as Captain Jack Sparrow. Yep. He was like the weasel, right? Like yeah. that was him. Yeah. Might as well be at this point. <laughs> Johnny Depp's such a fucking joke. Um, anyway, I was going to say I'm more of a son-in-law fan, except that I can't tell you who else was in that movie. Okay, sure, sure. No, I, f- I kind of forget about that one, but you're right. <laughs> Samantha's going to listen to this and just be like, I have no idea what they're talking about. What the absolute fuck? Okay. We're leaving out Encino Man, I think, is probably oh, true. something to talk about here before we move on. Um, uh, Polly Shore Rewatch Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for turning in to Shore Maniacs. Shore, yeah. The Shore Report. The Shore Oh, yeah. my God. I just think of that Rob Schneider character now where he's always like, going to the copier, making, yeah, making copies. Yeah. Whatever the fuck. That, that, that was supposed to be comedy. That was very funny. <laughs> was it? I love I love those bits because it's like forty people who have never stepped foot in an office are like, what do people in offices talk about? Like making like, copies. Making, it's probably making copies. So let's do something with that. Yeah, like all the these copinator. All these like twenty five year olds who have never worked a day in their lives. Sure. Um, yeah. I know that Daddy always complained yeah. about the people at his office not working hard enough. Yeah, making too many copies. <laughs> gotta incorporate that into our in. act yeah well oof, that was a tangent bit to a, end a bit of a distraction sorry about that no i think it's a good thing for the shore report to talk about branch out into some rob yeah. schneider territory there's no reason for us to be stalling though because this next segment might be my new favorite segment it was good it kind of blew my mind to use a very 90s phrase i'm very current now i'm how's, I, how's your mind Blown. Oh, it's blown. Yeah. I kind of have the church giggles now where I'm trying not to laugh and it's making it worse. Okay. We're talking about the Kelsey house. This is in Reno, Nevada. The house dates back to... This was in Reno? They kept changing the name of the place. Jesus H. Christ, Mac. I'm honestly surprised because I remember them <laughs> saying it was a Kansas-style house in Nevada. Yes. <laughs> outside Virginia City. And I was just like, where? Virginia City is right by Reno. Okay. That, that helps. <laughs> So, it is a reportedly haunted house. It was moved to its current location. F- oh, maybe I'm totally wrong about that. From Virginia City. It's from Virginia City. It was moved to Reno. Okay. Where it resided next to a cemetery for many years before moving to a street in Reno. So, this... Okay. Does that, did I just not No, make- it, it, I mean, it, it makes sense it that moved- you said that. <laughs> 
it doesn't make sense that someone did that. Is, is there the once upon there. a time there was a house. The house was in Virginia City. For and some loved reason, it so much, they, <laughs> they said, it. "Let's take this Kansas-style farmhouse yeah. that's for some reason in Virginia City and move it to 600 Grazier Grande in Reno." Yeah. At one point, it was by a graveyard. Just so you know. But it was not considered haunted until it was moved to Reno. The first series of encounters lasted from 1977 to 1991 and to members of the Kelsey family. Now, oh my God, did I even write down this guy's name or was I laughing so hard? Well, uh, if, if we're talking about the person I think you're talking about, he's not a member of the Kelsey family. So, so don't get ahead. Oh. Of, 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 uh, he, he's, he's the second tenant in the house. He is? Yes. No, he's not. No, Ke- Mr. Kelsey... Is the guy in the re- who pr- agreed to participate in the reenactment, but insisted on wearing only his underwear while <laughs> doing oh, you're it? You're right. <laughs> okay, no, you're right. Okay, okay. So I think the reason I'm confused is to introduce this. We you cut in. We get little snippets from both families who lived in this house and had right. hauntings, and so it is a little confusing because. You get, you get, ooh, this house is so haunted. And then they go into more they, depth. They do a more the, general overview of the haunting right. of the home. And then they start out with the Kelsey family who but are... Uh, when you get that little overview, you get to see the most uh, profound, life-changing... Uh, I would say valuable. The most valuable. The You're right. The most valuable mustache I have ever fucking seen. It, it is good. it is sort of like if you're familiar with the American chopper mustache, but that mustache had like gone feral. Like if that mustache could have been left in the sun and it turned like milk. <laughs> this is Paul Senior after uh a after bender a long time out in the in the wilderness he where a, he still had access to a, a razor. Yeah. To shave the rest yeah, of his face. It is but. both gray and ginger. And the, the top part is kind of maintained. And then as it gets longer, it just becomes wild and free. Yeah. It's 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 somewhere between a biker and a Civil War general. Yes. Um, yeah. It is. I would say it's the best mustache we've seen yet. It, I'm very sad that Samantha's good. not it here today. Good. And I'm going to hold it against her for a really long time. It is time. a quality mustache. But you're right. That's not part of the Kelsey family. So the Kelsey family moved into this house but at night, they were hearing what sounded like footsteps of people walking up and down the stairs. And the husband heard what he described as swooshing, like a like a long, old-timey dress whoosh, on the ground. And both of the parents seemed to just be like, yep, we're hearing ghosts. They were like yeah. on the same page in agreement, like, those are ghosts that we hear. At some point, their three-year-old daughter, Jennifer, sees a, like, ghost of a little boy and then an older man by her bed for like a few seconds and she explains to us that's like really weird yeah and then also possibly on the same night regular ghost no it's not like a regular ghost that would be watching me while i was asleep this is like a weird ghost a weird 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 ghost also possibly the same night her bed levitated yeah she just kind of throws that out there right like i i really associate with this with this memory of my bed levitating I'd be like, huh, seeing a ghost, your bed levitating. Yeah, I might grip those and like 
same general, the, the, same uh, general the category. paranormal phenomenon file folder I have in my brain. Yeah. yeah. So at this point, the Kelseys go to this local psychic named Dan Martin, who I swear is not properly introduced at all, or maybe I was just laughing too hard. We'll never know. And Dan seems Dan's one of the unsung heroes of of uh, just life of, of the Reno, American Nevada, way of, 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 uh, for sure. He, I salute him. Sure. I salute psychic Dan Martin. Mm-hmm. He, after hearing this story, possibly not even at the house, just puts himself in a trance. Yeah, and he goes to meet with the ghosts. He learns that the older ghost is named Samuel. And that he is the one haunting the house, and that he is there to protect Jennifer, and he has no interest in harming the family. Yeah, well, he doesn't meet the little boy ghost. No. He's, he, he basically comes up with his own story, of, and Samuel, of course, is uh, what you and I would know as a sailing man. <laughs> um you know, that job people have. That he job like, ghosts have. He was sailing like, man. He looked like a sailing man. He had the mustache for it. He had the mustache of a sailing man. What? Does you know how Reno, that... the port of Reno? <laughs> okay, well, the this, big, the big this port. is not... The house is in a... What you have to assume is that the ghost... Oh, I'm sorry. The port of Virginia City, <laughs> yes. Nevada. Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> He's a sailing man. The sailors, all the sailors who come in and out uh, during Fleet Week. Did you not hear me? He had the mustache for it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Were you even fucking listening? I I was. I just, you know, I'm the sailing man and his sailing mustache. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, Samuel, the sailor, says the psychic is great because he doesn't know the word sailor. I like that. He's so psychic, he doesn't know a common word. I mean, he's from Nevada, maybe. They, he's, you know, he's one of those, uh, like, boat riding guys. <laughs> I feel like I say stuff like that on the podcast all the time, because just you know, ba- basic the, vocabulary. With the eye patch me. and the, the peg leg and the yeah. spyglass. He's like, land ho! Yeah, he's one of those yeah, guys. Them. One of those one guys. Yeah. So, the ghost tells the psychic that he is there to protect and not harm the family. And apparently that's good enough for the psychic. Yeah, case closed. Case closed. It's haunted, but it's fine. I mean, maybe it would be reassuring. You will never know. sleep a good night in your life, but just chill. Whatever. Well, They're fine. He's nice. Despite He's this, a sailing man. He's a sailing man. If you want to sail, oh man. Um, despite this reassurance from the psychic, they do fucking move out, so... Yeah, it's almost like... <laughs> They're not enjoying the apparition of an 1870s weirdo, like, staring at their daughter as she sleeps. An 1870s weirdo. I wasn't helping their daughter sleep for some reason. Yeah. Oh, he keeps lifting her bed up and and stuff. Totally normal. She wakes up with these horrible nightmares. It was, like, kind of weird. A little weird. Yeah. There was a sailor watching wasn't, me. Wasn't my favorite place to live. Yeah, you know, she's like trying moved, to be positive so about they, like, it. Moved to another house or whatever. So and they fine. they moved to another house. At this point, they've had another child. But they own the home, right? Yes, they yeah. move out, but they don't. They rent it out yeah. and move somewhere Which else. Is, come on. What would it be better if they sold it? Well, according to our mustachioed friend, uh, it would be better if they burnt the place to the ground. Oh yeah, I forgot that this <laughs> segment opens with people being like, "I hope they burn that place to the ground." <laughs> and the there's so much dry ice outside this farmhouse as they're shooting it, and the music is the best. The they music is like good, one of those cassette tapes you would one. get yeah. of Halloween music to play for trick or treaters. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Okay. I hope they burn that place to the ground. So they move to a new house. 
they have another baby. The mom's taking pictures of the baby on the couch with some little stuffed animals like a pink panther. Whatever. She has to, at some point, people may not be familiar with this experience, but she had to use up the end of her film (laughs) in order to get it developed. When the pictures come back, one of the pictures is the face of a man. That's right. It was not a baby. It was a man. The man no one in town recognizes because there's such a slow news day, their paper runs it. Yeah, and this may be, uh, you know, I'm not a, a native Minnesotan, but I am a fan, um, going <laughs> going way back, of, uh, of, of former governor and uh, current hero Jesse the Body and Mind Ventura, <laughs> and it looks a lot like him. And it looks a lot like him. So when they were like, <laughs> no one recognized this man, I was like, really? Because it Cause sure I looks do. like the star of Predator. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Ventura. And they have that this? star is, is, is stretching it. He was a Co- minor yeah. character it's in Predator. An, it's an ensemble. Yeah, right. Really, the Predator is the I, star. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Samantha's going to be so glad we put that in there. She's going to be like, what? I don't understand anything you've talked about in this episode. Mm-hmm. Watch Predator. I yeah, that, that is the our problem. The first one, the Schwarzenegger one. Well, obviously. There's been several others. Samantha's not going to watch Predator. She's not going to watch any of the Predators. All right, fine. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> I can't enough. imagine a world where Samantha gets her popcorn, puts her Sits feet down. up, and <laughs> turns on the Predator. But ac- ac- accidentally turns on Predator 2, and it's just Danny Glover, like, screaming for the whole movie. Yeah, I used to do that a lot. That's a weird one. Anyway. Whoa. This photo is examined by an expert. And yeah. he says, first of all, Clearly, this is a dude. This is not a ghost. Light is reflecting off of him. He's not glowing. He's not see-through. It's a dude. The thing I found most interesting about that expert is he said, basically, there are ghosts. I've seen pictures of ghosts, and this isn't one. He believes in ghosts. (laughs) And he goes... Using my expertise, I've examined this photo, and it ain't no ghost. Yeah, this is a picture of, of a, a large television. Of a TV, yeah, because it you has can lines on see it. these swiggly lines that used to be on TVs. Yeah, Arden, no, you don't know what I'm talking about, but other <laughs> other people may remember that you got those tracking lines, whatever those glitches. It, yeah, from an from an old uh, like CRT TV, there there would be little lines on it, and and that supports my theory that this is a picture of probably jesse ventura and just not jesse ventura um, because i mean he would have Arden's probably been so on TV. Me. okay so she the the mom's theory is that the ghost follows them to the house nothing ever happens again no that's it maybe you're saying goodbye he's like i'm i'm a sailing man <laughs> i'm gonna sail away and I need to sail on he's like you know what my favorite and your track is yeah sail away <laughs> i believe that's that's Orinoco Flow, isn't it? Oh, do you, if you wanted to cut this out, that's fine. But God, you know, just, the song's called Orinoco Flow. He's totally right, folks. Look it up. Anyway. Yeah, pure moods, everyone. Should we I could have... also talk about the Sticks song, "Come Sail Away." No, we couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though Sticks did play Max Dad's prom, yeah. so everybody, yeah. we're learning a lot about the McCormick family today. Big one. I'm, I'm opening the archives. <laughs> Mac had a grandma, and his dad once heard sticks. You heard it here first. <laughs> they also have a, a glass uh, door in their back door. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's just a menagerie of treasures. <laughs> Can see right in. 
actually nothing else to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Okay, so now they've rented the house out. New family moves in. This is the Robinson family. Okay, now this is where I'm saying. Did they, they didn't tell the Robinsons, like, oh, yeah, no, ghosts will bother you every night. <laughs> First of all, I don't think it was every... Well, okay, maybe it was every night. But <laughs> would you tell someone else that? Or would you think... I mean... I, I, they would probably not I think you were well. I would probably say, like... Do you ble- I guess you might have to ask... Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, and if they say no, then you go... God, great! Great! Don't worry awesome. about it! This You'll place this. only had... It certainly sweet. doesn't have any sailing ghosts. It's going to be a great time. You know what a sailing man is? <laughs> no. Because that's not a phrase. Oh, okay. Okay. Huh, well, enjoy the house. Maybe they made it, like, a really good deal, though. It was it was it was eight dollars a month. <laughs> you know, in eighties money though. Yeah. We were gonna burn it down for the insurance, but that would only be seven dollars. So the Robinson family moves in, which is Steve with his glorious mustache, Mona, and then like eighteen, nineteen children. Forty five children. Yeah. <laughs> so many children. Way, way too many children yeah. move into this house in October. The cast of Oliver moved in with them. It's not a big house, also. Yeah. And this is in October of 89. Also, they had to pick the spookiest month. Bad yeah, choice. That is, uh, yeah. That is okay. Spooktober. That's what you call it. That's what I call it. I don't know if you've heard that before. No. No? Huh. Okay. I also call it Rocktober. <laughs> I probably call it Rocktober more. Yeah. I think I've heard you call it Rocktober way yeah. more than Spooktober. Yeah, no, I mean, the Rocktober makes a little more sense. Then, you know, it's a good time to rock. When isn't a good time to rock, though? Fair. Funerals. I mean, you got Weddings. No, I think you... You you identified the problem with Rocktober. Man, they just corrected me on the title of an Enya song. I don't play a lot of Orinoco Flow uh, with... with, During Rocktober, I'll say that. Well, I wouldn't fit in, would it? It's more of a, that would be a bad choice. From a moods timber. Oh, yeah. pure moods timber. Pure moods tem- yeah. Uh-huh. I really want to get a pure moods tattoo. That and that. Um, By which I mean literally song, the you know CD pure <laughs> moods. <laughs> I want to get a tattoo. <sighs> Am I ever going to talk about this haunting? Yeah, no. Yeah, you should probably get out with it. Oh my god. <laughs> Go go get our divorce papers ready while I talk about that. So the visitations began with footsteps and a disembodied voice of an angry man with white hair who was apparently not Samuel. And whether or not he was a sailing man, can't say. So they saw three different ghosts than the previous family. The first person to experience it was Garrett, their 11-year-old son, who, it seemed like one day he got home first, like he got home from school, and he was hearing all these noises upstairs, like footsteps and laughing, and he went upstairs, and it got even louder, and he was hearing at least three voices and arguing and like doors closing. So he runs out of the house, the screen door like starts banging behind him, he turns around and then he sees this like old man snarling at him from well, the he window. Said he, was, he said he was smirking, and then he didn't think it was like a mean grin. <laughs> it was just like a like a yeah. like a smile. Like he was like a being a rascal. Yeah, these like are, a, these are the puckish ghosts. These are. These I are, like getting uh, such a detailed description from an eleven-year-old. Also, what? he really wants to set the scene, and so thank you, Garrett. Yeah, who as Mac pointed out is our age probably. 
Yeah, no, I mean... Garrett, where are you? Come on this over. This was 1991 or something Let's like that. Let's hang out. And he's 11, so yeah, he's, he's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hang out sometime. Um, so he was hearing two male and one female ghost, according to him. So after that, his six-year-old brother, Miles, was levitated in their bed. Um, at this point, the wife is very agitated and does not want to go to sleep, and she's worried about her children. And Mr. Robinson is like, oh, I thought she was just losing it. It's this great scene where she's like, yeah, we were, we were trying to get to bed. And he's just snoozing. He's like, Mac was like, oh, I think he, I think he more than tried. <laughs> well, I think he's just dead asleep. It's a reenactment. And, and the reenactments are kind of great. I, I mean. These are some of my favorite reenactments. Well, Unsolved Mysteries is more fun. Sometimes it's very sad because they get some like bereft parent to like walk down where their kid died and and that seems a little rough but but this one's fun because it's they get the families to actually pretend that they're waking up and and to go back to the kelsey family for a minute i alluded to it that like the kelsey dad and mom have this scene where the the dad gets up and like lights a candle like it's the 1860 candle it's huge and he's just in his underwear it's kind of amazing that the house didn't burn down since they're apparently not using electric lights but people a few times were like it's amazing the house has lasted this long which is only 100 years old so i don't really yeah, get that I mean, but if you are lighting gigantic candles in the middle of the night maybe it is amazing it is weird that they moved it twice and and that it's still up but um but yeah but like that reenactment was just great because he could have worn pajamas or anything. I no, it's Nevada. He sleeps in his underwear. Realism. But this guy, you know, he's just some average he's dude. Hot. But he's like, no, I'm putting my foot down, producer. I was in my underwear. and I'm sorry. Do you want to reenact what <laughs> happened to me or don't you? And so you get the Stephen Robinson, uh, like... Is like okay, snoozing. He's just like got one arm like above his full head, full on like, snoring, his mouth open, and drooling drool. himself. <laughs> and his saying, wife's like, I like, thought his he was saying that his wife is nuts, yeah, like well, on I mean, TV. But he clearly that was in the context of going well. Originally, I thought she was insane, but then uh, <laughs> obviously I didn't do anything yeah. about it. But, but she's, and she's picking her nails, and then and then like uh, the, the ghost like. Just calls her a bitch. It's the weirdest thing. It's, it's just out of nowhere. It's just like you it know, was quite rude. It's very rude, and it's very uncomfortable. Here she is having trouble sleeping. She's worried about her nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Children, we, you know, who all seem to be sleeping. In nineteen, twenty-four, forty-eight children, and she's trying to go to sleep, and the ghost just is like, "Hey, bitch." Yeah, it's it. it I don't know. It, it seemed very odd that she Haunting was... Haunting is uh, one thing, but misogyny is serious. Well, it's just... It's just <laughs> most times you hear about a ghost, they're like... They're, they're, they do the same thing every time. They, 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 they float across. They, like, go to one place. They, you know, if, if, if you uh, read about ghosts, they're, they're attracted to a thing. They, they're trying to resolve something. And this guy just seems like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this woman feel bad. Like, what, what on earth this? This sort of this? seems more like a horror movie where, for whatever reason, the ghosts are trying to drive them out of the house. Like, but, they're not but trying like to hurt lazily them. lazily and. Not, yeah. not very... Uh, well, we hear from know. our psychic Martin again. Yeah, this... I don't know how this family got in touch with them or knew they had hauntings or whatever, but apparently after this incident, he goes into yet another trance. 
and he meets the three ghosts, which he decides are just cantankerous. Yeah. And that they're just, they're just rabble rousers. They're just like ornery folk. Yeah, it's based on, he seems to gather no information. And once again, comes back and is just like, it's fine. That seems to be his... He's to be rich. fair, no, nobody got hurt, you know? It's not like uh, they well, raised a piano and They only on lived there for four months. Yeah. They moved out because of these, these ghostly incidences. Uh, she says, you never believe anything like that until it happens to you. And so they had to go somewhere else. Now, apparently, you know, the house has gone on to new owners. It was sold by the Kelsey's eventually. Where they did disclose that it it had been having these hauntings. And no one has reported any hauntings since, according to Unsolved Mysteries. And it ends with Robert Stack saying something weird about how ghosts may exist only in the eye of the beholder, perhaps. Yeah. Some strange... Some strange sentence structure, but I appreciate him just inserting the word perhaps wherever he well, can. Well, yeah, it's kind of that. Perhaps it's you who's the ghost. You've been dead this whole time. What if there was a movie like that? Oh, that would do so well. Yeah. And everything touched by the ghost was red? It's called. We should, we should write that. It's called symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the episode. Um, let's rate it. How do you feel about it in terms of mysteriousness? Well, I would say that Joe Smith... Open and shut. Yeah, that's not mysterious at all. Um, the kid with the family is very sad, but not, not terribly really mysterious. mysterious. Just sad. The bank robber is kind of awesome, but not mysterious. Um, so it's really just the ghost. So thing. it's only the ghost. And other than the mystery of like <laughs> the sailing all man. of these people can it coexist in the same <laughs> world and. And, yeah. The mystery of how that mustache came to be. Just the, yeah, that, I mean, there's some mystery there, but it's not what they think it is. So, no, thumbs I, I down. Know. I would say. Yeah, I, I don't know. How do you feel about the the reenactment? Oh, I I did like, I didn't quality. I would I'd say, say the, the first reenactment was not that good, and I wait they, which one the of of Michael of the bank robbery of the bank robbery of Patrick Michael huh. Mitchell. Yeah, uh, well, I I feel like the the acting was fine, but that they didn't really they did a better job with um with Johnny Stewart than they did oh, with, with yeah. that. Like I don't know that it was you wanted fine, some more gl- some more banking bank I think they should have, I think they should have gotten. Kenny Loggins for the part, or just like Robert Redford with a mustache, like. Well, no, no, I I, I want to go with realism, so I would say they they should. <laughs> they should have gotten the mm-hmm. one and only Kenny yeah, Loggins. Yeah. Okay, well, that might have been a little out of their budget. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you get, you make a point that they were um, they could only afford the air mattresses in that one. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what was happening there. Um, but I would say that actually the guy who they got to play Joe Smith looked a lot like Joe Smith. Yes, actually, we've complained in previous episodes that the casting is so bad that it's distracting. Yeah. That sometimes you can't even tell who someone's supposed to be because it doesn't look a thing right. like him. But that casting was very good. The casting of Victor Simon as a... Teenager, as a teenager was very good, yeah. So good. They show after the reenactment of him graduating and his family not being there, they show his yearbook photo and it looked exactly it was, like the actor they similar. got. Yeah, it was, it was quite good. Bleh. And um, then the reenactments of the ghosts, I think, were oh, great, especially well, because Mr. Well, Kelsey insisted on the realism of him just wandering around his house in his underwear. The largest pillar candle from Pier One. Yeah. The, I mean, even if all the other reenactments were terrible, I would still give this a thumbs up because the ghost reenactments are so hilarious. 
they but they're actually pretty good this is i felt like the pacing on this episode is very good i like that there's four mysteries none of them seemed that long like yeah. you got an amuse bouche of just a little snack of different types of mysteries you know two wanted but they're kind of different since one sure. is a murder and one is a bank robbery um, I would definitely give it a thumbs up for... Yeah, no, I, I, I thought the reenactments were, were a high point. Okay, fashion. Um, there were some classic early 90s outfits on people. Uh, I remember you mentioning that the one guy was wearing a shirt that, like, literally every dad in the, at the time <laughs> it was had, like a, like a polo It was like a shirt. very thin, like a t-shirt fabric polo, a jersey polo with a blue and white stripe. Yeah. Yeah, every single dad in America had that shirt. Yeah, and then the, some of the moms were wearing some good, some good. We get, like, we get that dude in a purple sweater. Uh, the purple sweater was was. I think good. one of the bank tellers was wearing like purple eyeshadow, like to her eyebrow in a pretty yeah. majestic way. Um, and really, just so many mustaches, like even more mustaches than we talked there about. There was there was bang just, bang bang yeah. bang. So I would say more men in the episode had mustaches than didn't. Yes, have mustaches. it was. You would think there was some law that yeah. you had to have a mustache. Yeah. Um. So I thumbs up for fashion. If you fashion ask me. Was quite good. Okay, on a scale of one to five, Robert stacks, mm-hmm. with one being um, Alcatraz, and <laughs> five would be. Uh, your son is a Satanist. Where would you rate this episode? How many Robert Stacks? Mm, 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 mm. That's a tough one. I mean, it's probably not as good as the the nudist <laughs> oh, episode. Yeah, five is nu- is the nudist one. Um, I guess I'd have to go with four. Uh, I agree. I think this is a very solid episode. I think it was quality. I, I think, think the bank robbery was fun. I think the the story was sad, but it, you know, added a little bit of pathos to it. It was a, to so well done that I cried. So you kind of have to give it credit for that. It's yeah. a very sad, tragic story, but they didn't fuck it up. Like they right. told it well. The murder, the murders were were grisly and gross, but they didn't sort of. They didn't linger on it. Yeah, they didn't make it kind of seem seamy or anything like you that. You knew the family was either bludgeoned or strangled, depending yeah. on the victim. But I don't feel like they over-sensationalized right, that. It right. was pretty respectful. Yeah, and then the ghosts was just... that was That's why we that's why people watch the show. But that's you know? why you that's, get out of bed in the morning, is to see shit like that. Unsolved Mysteries exists as a show. her lazy ass is going to be so disappointed that she missed this I mean, one. I, it's just um, quality. I feel like I'm going to take a few steps back from slandering uh, Samantha, but I will say that this was a good episode. It's so, that, um, maybe it's not funny if you don't know Samantha, but to me, Samantha just seems like someone who like really has her shit together and is like an yeah. adult. And, no, you know I, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so I for me to be like, what a lazy stack of shit. I can't believe. <laughs> yeah. no, that I can't believe she had to go to a work conference. <laughs> Yeah, she's off like furthering her career. What a dumbass! What a yeah, dumbass. Uh, <laughs> she yeah, seriously does like most of the work. While I'm literally in my pajamas, and we started recording this at like four in the afternoon, and I'm like, what a lazy bitch. Anyway, love you, Samantha. But you're gonna be sad you missed all these no, mustaches. You, you will regret the, missing this episode because it is it is uh, it is it's, it's why it's why you watch the show. Yeah, sometimes we're watching you know last week's was awful oh, and that's just brutal stuff like the dog one was terrible oh god like, why did you like, remind me about the dogs it's just it's just like <laughs> sometimes i'm like why did we start doing this yeah. this is i don't want to watch this but this week kind of reminds me like yes, yeah that's fine that's what this is, is it. sailing man ghosts yeah oh come here sailing man 
I think I think that would be a good like you know I mean the the hello sailor kind of trope. <laughs> hello from, sailor. Yeah, man. yeah. I think I think I think someone should try to get that going. Why do you sail my way? <laughs> That might be I'm, that might be my favorite part of the episode. The, <laughs> the, the, the sailing phrase, man. Sailing yeah. man. Okay, I do have a recommendation, but it's like so self-serving. <laughs> check, check out my Instagram, guys. Um. Well, yeah, you should. Everybody <laughs> likes Liz at Instagram, and you can see yeah. my artwork and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you should do that. <laughs> Why are you laughing? No, I, I just I didn't. Is that Matt, really is your, that your recommendation? That really? Oh <laughs> my, my god! Recommendation. Yeah, yeah. You're Yes, they can't believe it. Oh, yeah. he's just the best, you guys. No, my very self-serving recommendation is uh, the Milwaukee Zine Fest coming up in April, on April 6th. And you should go. But why should you go? Because I'm going to be there. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm doing the Milwaukee Zine Fest this year. I'm excited. I've never done it. It's at the Milwaukee Public Library, their central branch, on April 6th, 1030 to 430. I'm going to be there shilling out zines, making the big bucks. Nice. Me and like 60 other people in the library. So, I don't know if anybody in Milwaukee listens to the show, come say hi. I think it's free to go, so you can just come bug me. Yeah. Yeah. That's my recommendation. Buy some zines. Do you have a recommendation, Oh Sailing Man? I mean, I, I we we mentioned uh, the filmography of Polly Shore. I think that's <laughs> worth getting into. Um, I don't think anyone has recommended that in a long time. The, uh, actually, so and I'm not putting that on the website. Are you familiar with the with the website Cameo? Vaguely. Did we did we ever talk about that? So Cameo is a website. Oh, where you hire celebrities yeah, to like you can shout pay, out like, to you. Two hundred dollars to a celebrity, and they'll and they'll make you a little video. And Pauly Shore is on there. How much does he cost? A lot, and I can't. I don't. Oh. I, I can't remember how much it is, but it's it's more than it should be. <laughs> the but, prices vary wildly. We we weren't one night we're looking at all these famous yeah. people you can get to make a very short video to you like people, Lance it's, Bass it's or whatever. Fascinating to see like where these sort of C list celebrities value their time. Yeah, uh, like how much what they'll do for between fifty and because some people are a deal man. Yeah. There's like there's there's famous people for like fifty bucks, and then there's like not famous people for five hundred dollars because they and just don't really want to do it. Well, they don't want to do it, and they want to you know they want to act like they're more important than they exactly, are. Exactly. Yeah. Anybody would like to buy me a video from drag queen uh, Minnesota Luzon, who I know is on there, and apparently is from Cottage Grove, Minnesota. There you go. I would love. I would love a shout out. Thanks. That, hey. Hook me up. Um, That's but, another recommendation. But but cameo uh, cameo dot com has uh, Pauly Shore on there, and I guess his videos are something to behold. He uh, is this your recommendation? Just check them out. You, well, you can watch everybody's oh, for free. True. You don't have to get one for yourself because they're all on the site. So also, yeah, if you're like trying to tell a, a, a personal secret to someone <laughs> via Flattery. by getting Ken Bone to say it for you. Um, Bad idea. Don't do that because other people are able to see it. But if you go back, you can watch um, you can watch Polly Shore's uh, cameos. And he's so bad at it. And he, like, they give you, a, you, you know, you're given a script and he just doesn't read the script. He does whatever he wants and he's extremely insulting. And he does it in, like, a dark room where you, 
like can barely make him out and he's got a, he's it's it's something oh drag queens like at least aren't drag and stuff no he's he's doing it very lazily he's clearly okay this is not a recommendation it sounds like he's terrible <laughs> you should check out Polly Shore's cameo it's it's awesome <laughs> I like that you came um, up with the worst recommendation <laughs> of all time it's not gonna take a lot of your time and you might get a good laugh at it out of it I, I Max know. like you know what would be great if you went to the library and you checked out everything by Rush Limbaugh <laughs> No, because that's not funny. I mean, that just sucks. But uh, that seems like an equal waste of time to me. I don't know. I, you know, if you want to see something that's really stupid, I think. Fair I think, enough. I think, Fair I enough. think Pauly Shore's cameo is worth checking out. Um, what were you actually going to recommend? Um, it came out a few months ago, but. Um, I'm a fan of the Toronto-based hardcore band Fucked Up, and oh, yeah. uh, they released a follow-up to their 2011 modern classic, David Comes to Life, and the new one is called... Uh, a Sailing Man? A no, Sailing called, Man's Journey? It's called Dose Your Dreams, and um, it is another sort of uh, punk opera type thing that's very hard to describe, but um, it took a few listens, but I, I, I got just as into oh. it, and so I would recommend both. Uh, David Comes to Life and uh dose your dreams and they may not be for everyone but they are great that's so fine. check them out we recommend stuff that's definitely but also, not for but everyone also check time. out Polly shore's camera oh, okay. and, and i would Thank it's you. worth your time to go through and see what kind of nitwits are on there and actually like, that i do highly recommend literally yeah. can get ken bone uh the red sweatered simpleton from the uh the 2016 election who couldn't make up his mind um to to do this i think he's like 35 dollars too it, it's maybe i'll get you that deals. for your birthday there are some deals what would I, you well, want ken bone to say to you <laughs> i don't know i i uh, but um do you think if i pay him 35 dollars I, I could illegally tell him how he has to vote i i doubt i mean i doubt it but you could maybe try <laughs> be like okay your message is i me ken bone <laughs> hereby swear <laughs> to vote for this candidate in the upcoming election okay mac is like literally texting right who, now no i'm gonna see who else is on here oh i thought he, you were so done with this that you're I'm, like i'm finished i gotta send <laughs> perez hilton 27.99 for perez hilton i don't want to hear anything from perez hilton <sighs> all right andy dick is only is 99 dollars what? That's, That's way deal. too much. Carson Kressley, fifty nine. But they, this is better than it. What Chumley from the uh, from uh, the Pawn Stars? Okay, now you've ruined your birthday present. Surprise! <laughs> it's a video from Chumley. <laughs> Ice tea is only one hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, that's a good price that is that is good i would want him to say like a john mulaney joke about who would you rather hear from lance bass or iced tea Mm, personally iced tea yeah and lance bass is 199 dollars i can see that 49 dollars more than iced tea i i bet he has a pretty loyal fan base Ice Tea has been on television for like 20 years i feel like he inspires just he was in new jack city I was, I was just watched New Jack City. It's good. There's another recommendation for you. Go, you want to see the most 90s thing you've ever seen? Go watch New Jack City with Ice-T and uh, Melvin Van Peebles and uh, and uh, Judd Nelson. And the like. Oh, I was going to des- guess Dennis Leary, but no, it was Judd no, Nelson. Judd Nelson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is the most 90s thing. A lot of people from The Office are on here. So if you liked the television, the American version of, well, the, of the Office. You could get like can, Angela to say... I don't like you. You can get, I can't remember, Meredith. Oh, sure. And, Who wouldn't um, want to hear from her? 
Oh, what was that guy's name? Stan, not Stanley. Stanley is on here, but um. Oh, the creepy guy. The big guy with the the bald guy. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about him. Don't write to me and tell me who the characters in the office are. I could look it up. It's fine. Brian. Oh, he played Brian. His, his name is Brian. Okay, great. His real name is Brian too. Whoa, that's some like star power right yeah. there. Anyway, it's like Charlie Sheen. Okay, so sorry about that. But anyway, cameo.com, uh, <laughs> the album, New Jack City. Sadly, they and, did not sponsor uh, us Shore. because no one will touch this show with a 10 foot pole. So no. let's plug our stuff. If you, uh, what was I even going to say? Oh my God. I can't do this without Samantha. Samantha, like, come back. Do you have a, a, come a back. Social me- social yes, media stuff? follow us on the social medias. We are perhaps it's you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a Facebook group that we update more than the thing. We also have a website, which is perhaps it's you.com. If you have a paranormal story, we would really like to hear from you. We are collecting those for the end of the season. You can write to us at perhaps it's you podcast at Gmail, or we do have a farm on our website. Um, you should rate us five stars and iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Please remember that we only accept five-star reviews. Thank you very much. And what else? What else do I say? Oh, you should sign up for Patreon. Our newest one was about ghost adventures. For as little as a dollar, you get a bonus episode every month. And we currently have 15 episodes. And you'll get all of them. So it's becoming a greater deal every single day. And then for $5, you also get a coloring sheet. And if you go up to $10, every quarter, you get some sort of gift. So it's a pretty great. Patreon.com slash breath with you. And I feel like there was something else I'm supposed to say. And I don't know. But yeah, you check out my personal Instagram that Mac recommended. Everybody likes Liz. Yes. It's good stuff. Yes. Thanks, everyone. Go solve some mysteries, bitches. Mac, thanks for being here. Unlike that deadbeat Samantha. Yeah. You're welcome. You're really filling in. I'm glad that I was a desired member of the cast and not a um, literally the person the who person happened was to here. be in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. Thanks for having me. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Bye. Bye.